0: So we're going to be continuing, continuing on our journey, our journey. Uh, this morning we, we honor, we celebrate fatherhood. Fatherhood is such an amazing thing. You What's know, been killing me lately is looking at some of the statistics of the, the lack of fatherhood. If you look at any, any tragedy that has happened in this nation in recent years... And you look at the individual who caused them. It's not a bomb problem, a gun problem, or whatever problem. It's It's a heart people problem, right? We need revived. But more often than not, that person didn't have a strong father figure in their life. Fatherhood is so key to maturing healthily. We all need a father. And what I love, and brand new fatherhood here. just love it. Thank you so much for coming. So excited. Brand new life. Um, but the cool thing about God is that the Bible declares that he is father to the fatherless. And fatherless doesn't just mean that you didn't have a dad. Because a lot of us had fathers growing up and, and they just weren't there the way that they needed to be, Right? And that's why I praise God, guys like Anthony is breaking the cycle, right? Rising up and being the man that God's called him to be. Donnie, another one, you know, just being the man that God is calling you to be. There's struggles, it's not easy, you know, but we're learning how to be a father. And as you're learning how to be a good father, I'm sure you've never said any of these kind of things, right?
1: I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ew, sports. (laughs) Just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure, spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey! Can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch ten minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. (laughs) Yes! More homework to correct! All right, whining! Yay! Tantrums! (laughs) Mmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa! Money really does grow on trees.
0: (laughs) I love it. So, happy Father's Day. I know I've been known to say more than just a couple of those cliches, right? But they're so true. So this morning on Father's Day, we're going to learn some uh, fathering tips um, from a guy named Jacob. Not just named Jacob, he was renamed Israel at one point as well. Um, God obviously is the absolute perfect best father. But what struck me whenever I was praying about uh, what to talk about this morning is um, how God chose Jacob and entrusted Jacob to father his own people. His 12 kiddos, well, his 12 sons, not his daughters, his 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel, which became the nation of Israel, which if you haven't checked a, a map yet or listened to the news at all, they're still kicking. They're still going strong. Because God's promises never fail, do they? Never, ever fail. His people will always be on the face of the earth. And, and I love that we're adopted in, we're, we're grafted into his family now as well. But he chose Jacob, a single man, to be the father of his own people. So that's saying something. That's significant, right? Now, we know that um, he didn't originally have that promise, right? His children became the nation of Israel, and uh, they're still here today. But that promise that their children would be, um, what was it, as, as many as the sand on the seashore, as many as the stars in the sky, that promise didn't come to Jacob first. That promise was first given to his grandfather Abram, who was renamed Abraham, which was then passed along later to Isaac, which was then finally passed along through a blessing to Jacob. And so we're going to start this morning with the understanding of the power of a father's blessing. The power of a father's blessing. Um, One of the most significant things that a father can do is to pass along a blessing to his children. And through his children to future generations, right? Through his children as well. The blessing that a father speaks over his children is prophetic, prophetic, and it is powerful, and it is life-directing. The blessing is our inheritance that remains even when we are not present, even when we are gone. Because none of us are destined forever, right? In eternity, yes, but not here on this earth. I don't want to stay here on this earth forever. Does anybody? I, I can't wait for my new eternal home. But Proverbs says this, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And so often when you hear that word inheritance, you think about just money, you know? Who gets the house? Who gets the cars? You know? Who gets the bike? Right? No. Okay. Anyways. (laughs) But an inheritance is so, so much more than just material things. So much more than worldly things. And most of us have seen this firsthand. You've seen a family that received an inheritance and what it did to the family. If it wasn't also passed along, prefaced with good godly principle, godly character. An inheritance is not a blessing to a family if it doesn't accompany those principles and those values. It will destroy the family that it was intended to bless. We need the blessing of a strong moral compass that is uh, built from God's word, guided from God's word. Uh, We need a strong foundation to stand on uh, God's kingdom principles as well. Because only then is an inheritance everything that God intended it to be. It's not just about material things, it's about all those values and principles that go along with it. And so, I, I know for myself, I'm questioning myself, especially as my children are reaching adulthood here soon, and, and they're going to be out of my hands, kind of, kind of, sort of, you know. I don't know. I don't know how it, how it works, but apparently they come back around every now and then. I, it's not, see you later. I, anyways. But, um, but the question that, that sort of pierced my heart is the, the, the understanding of what attitudes and behaviors and mindsets I have blessed my children with. <laughs> I've blessed my children with some pretty nasty things, you know. You know, Megan and Becky will be going back and forth, and I'm like, well, she's you. (laughs) You know why you guys fight all the time? Because you're too much alike, you know, right? I can say it's because Becky's back at the kids. (laughs) But you bless your children with things, whether you want to or not, right? You pass along an inheritance. What is your inheritance? What do we bless and what do we boldly curse? Because you pass both along. What is it as a family that we choose to bless and we choose to curse? You know, what do we accept and embrace as a family? And what do we disregard and get rid of? You know, what are these things? What are the things that we bind? What are the things that we loosen? We teach and we train our children, and they teach their children. That's an inheritance that we pass along that you're doing. And, and so it's important, especially when the kids are toddlers, to start instilling those values and those principles so that you know, we've been incredibly blessed by our teenagers. We don't have the teenage rebellion that most families have. We have issues. We have teen things, but not like some of the things that we see some of our friends going through. You know? So it, it starts when they're young. That's the time when you begin. But in God's kingdom, it's never too late. Even when your kids are, you know, well-grown, it's still never too late to start instilling those things. Because it's not just what we say. You can't be the kind of parent that says, do as I say, not as I do, right? Because your kid's going to do what you do. And and you don't want it to be a bunch of doo-doo, right? I mean, you, you want them to do good things and to be good people. Because the reality is God honors and God blesses a father's blessing. He honors it. It's just who he is. It's in his nature. It's in his character. He promises and then fulfills. So when you, as a father, bless your children, he'll fulfill it. He'll keep that going. He'll p- perpetuate it. Um, and it's only when they rise up and choose to break generational curses that that chain can be broken, right? But otherwise, they will continue in the way. Du- you know, what does the Proverbs teach us? To direct a child the way he should go, and he'll follow it, right? He will follow it. That's a, a blessing, an inheritance that we leave behind. Um, And we want it to be prophetic. We want it to be based on God's word. We want to guide and direct our kids down good paths. Better paths than we walk down, right? We want to set them up for success. So don't ever underestimate the power and the authority that are carried in your blessing. What you choose to bless as a father. Next we can kind of take a breath of relief because the reality is perfection is not a requirement. Perfection is not a requirement. If it was... Only Jesus himself would have ever succeeded, right? Perfection is not a requirement. Jacob was not a perfect man. Jacob, you know, as we talked about before, he received a blessing and he blessed his kids. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But he wasn't a perfect man and he definitely didn't have the perfect family. If you've ever read through Genesis, you know some of the, uh, the heartache that he experienced as a father. He himself, growing up, he was a mama's boy. His brother was always out in the fields hunting and fighting, and, you know, he was the manly man. He was the hairy beast, you know, as you learn at the end, end of their life. Esau was dad's rough and tough hunter out there. Jacob actually bought his firstborn. He bought his birthright, his brother's birthright, with a cup of soup because he came in famished. you remember that whole account? Like, I don't know, Jacob just, I don't know, I, I, I got mixed feelings about him as a man, but God said that he would be the one that would father father the nation. So there's significance of that. He, he bought his brother's birthright. He, uh, in fact, if you remember, whenever Esau and Jacob were born, because they were twins, Becky has twin brothers, it's always fun, you know, um, Jacob actually grabbed the heel of Esau, right? So, you know, always, always following his brother's uh, coattails. Then, of course, we know that he stole his father's blessing to Esau on his deathbed by deceiving him. Um, Of course, his mom made him do it, right? But in any case, he chose to cooperate and to do that. He stole not only the birthright, but the blessing as well. Esau was furious about this. He planned to murder his brother Jacob because of it. That's just how valuable the father's blessing is. And in fact, Isaac had so richly blessed Jacob that when Esau came and said, you know, please, sir, may I have some more? There just wasn't much left. Jacob promised everything to Jacob, thinking it was Esau. So from the very beginning, his, his life was filled with family drama and deceit, and it was just it was a mess. It was a mess from the beginning. But we learn that we don't have to live life perfectly to be the perfect father. Jacob was God's chosen father. He could have chose Esau, but he chose Jacob. In fact, we know he made him into a great nation, and there's a whole story behind all of that. But he chose Jacob to father his people, even though he had stolen it and it was just an imperfect start. Um, And in fact, I believe that we, more often as fathers, we teach our kids more by our mistakes we make, how we respond to them, how we man up and own up to it and make things right as much as we can, than we ever do from just living life perfectly. So when you make mistakes, let your kids know about it and teach them and train them and show them how to make it right, especially when you wrong them, you know, especially then... But we can teach them so much through that. Jacob didn't have the perfect family. He chose to favor his son Joseph. He didn't learn his lesson from being a mama's boy. He favored his son Joseph more than his brothers. And of course, that caused all kinds of family issues. So much so that 10 of them, 10 of his 11 other brothers, decided that they were going to kill him. Then they saw an opportunity to make some money. And so they sold him off into slavery instead. And And they told Isaac he was dead. Or they told Jacob, rather, he was dead. What was it? He got gored by some animal. They took his favorite jacket and, yeah, put some blood on it. Nasty stuff. However, because of Jacob's commitment as a father and faithfulness to serve the Lord no matter what, that same trait that Joseph, of course, we know lived out as well while he was away from his family, God eventually brought their family back together all in the end. Jacob's life wasn't without hardships. Jacob went through tons of hardships, tons of heartbreak. His own uncle, Laban, treated him very badly. We know that. He broke his uh, promise at the end of a seven-year contract. He's supposed to uh, you know, receive one daughter, and he woke up next to another daughter. I do if any of you guys have ever done that. So, you know, woke up in bed, and it's like, who are you? <laughs> he had a kind of rough, rough life if that may have happened, but it happened to Jacob. And, um, and so he made another contract, worked for the girl. He loved her that much. I don't know if I'd work seven years for Becky, 14 years for Becky. I, I don't know. Would I do that? Is it salary? Nate says no. Man, I got to step up as a dad, apparently, right? <laughs> then God continued to bless him, though. God continued to bless Jacob in, in spite of all of those things in and in, in all of his mistreatment. In fact, when he had finally had enough, he brought his two wives together and he said this in Genesis chapter 31, verse 5 through 7. He said, I've, I see that your father's attitude toward me, it's not what it was before. Anybody ever have an employer change their attitude toward you? Things were good, and then all of a sudden things got really rough and nasty, you know? He said, but God... The God of my father, he's been with me. And you know that I've worked for your father with all of my strength. Yet your father's cheated me. He changed my wages seven, or not seven times, ten times. However, God has not allowed me to harm him. You know, most of us can, can relate to being cheated by family, by being wronged by somebody. Maybe family, maybe an employer, maybe friends. You know, most of us guys can, can uh, attest to being underpaid by your employers, you know. I know Becky just went through that recently. She switched jobs, working in a new place, and they're paying the new people way more than she was making when she left and offering a five grand sign-on bonus, you know? And it's like, what about the people who work there faithfully through all thick and thin? You know, don't they get something? Anyways, life's full of unfairness. But you'll notice, and guys take note of this, Jacob worked for Laban with all of his strength. He gave him everything. Even though he kept changing his wages, he cheated him, he stole from him, because he knew the ultimate truth he was working for God, not for Laban. And God blessed him, even though his employer was mistreating him. He faithfully gave it his all because it wasn't about that person. It was about God and the Lord. And that's who he's working for. And that's who blessed him over and over and over again. Beyond all this, we'll talk about some heartache. And I pray I never have to go through this. His daughter was raped. And his sons, of course, he and his sons rose up and they avenged that act. He had to face his brother Esau, thought that was going to be the death of him. He sent this whole parade procession with gifts so that he'd be happy by the time he met him because he figured that was the end. He was done and over with, right? He literally physically wrestled with God. I love that account. So awesome. All night long he, he wrestled with God and he ended up with a busted hip all because he refused to let go of God without a blessing. Power of a blessing. He refused to let go until he got it. Some of us need to learn from that in our faith walk, don't we? God promised it. You know what? I'm not letting go. I'm not relenting. I'm going to press in, and I'm going to press in even harder until I receive this thing, not giving up. Of course, we also know that he grieved the death of his own father, of his wife, Rachel, during childbirth. I can't imagine that. Just, that would just be awful. He also lost his wife, Leah. He worked for seven years, and seven years, and he lost them both. He outlived them all. He also thought for a season that he had lost his favorite son. He lived most of his life with grief that was caused by a lie. Grief and mourning that was caused by a lie, by deceit. He had to provide for his growing family in the midst of a severe famine. And he just couldn't do it. There just wasn't enough to go around. His family was starving, and he as a father carried that responsibility to provide for them um like like you know all of us he aged he got old in fact he, he grew ill his eyesight became so bad he was nearly blind and by his own testimony he said this the years of my pilgrimage are 130 my years have been few and difficult and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers 130 years that's quick. after god you know, set the years of our life. It's a long time to live, but he considered them short and difficult when he looked back on his life. He was a man of troubles. It just serves to remind us that God has this. Even when you make mistakes raising your children, even when your children make mistakes, God is able to make it right in the end. He's able to bring beauty from ashes. He's able to restore broken things. He's able to bring healing and deliverance. No matter what the circumstances may be, nothing is too hard for our God. He can do it. And so the character and the strength of our fatherhood, it's revealed. It's revealed through the testing and challenges and hardships of life. But you don't have to do it perfectly. Perfection is not a requirement. And thankfully we know that God's faithful, right? This kind of goes hand in hand. God is faithful. God worked through the wicked animosity between Jacob's sons and all the troubles that he faced and and all the things. God worked it all together for good in the end. He did. It all eventually resulted even in their salvation. Their lives were spared. Their lives were spared. In the end, all their divisiveness resulted in unity because their father Jacob knew that his God Who was his father's God, who was his father's father's God, was faithful. He knew that he was a faithful God. They lived together in the best land of Egypt. They lived a good, cush life in the end. In fact, they were given jobs for whatever they were skilled for. Pharaoh put them into, you know, gave them employment for whatever they were good at. They were blessed, they were richly blessed in the end of all those troubles. Jacob was able to be a faithful father who stuck with his family through it all because he had a faithful father in heaven. So when there are times when you'd rather maybe just go work some overtime or just go work in the garage just to be out of the house and just work in the garage, right? Whatever your escape is, wherever you'd rather be, whenever you have those moments where you just want to get away from the chaos and the troubles of it all, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't walk out from it all as tempting as it may be at times to just give up and start new. Especially when you failed and you know you're the cause of some of the chaos and strife in your family. Don't give up because God is working even when you can't see it. Even when you can't see it, even when you can't feel it, right? God is working. He's, he's doing something. So when the challenges are just too much to take and you're not sure what you can do to make things right, God is faithful and he's the only one who is righteous. He's the only one that can make it right. And so trust him. In fact, when Jacob started out on his own personal journey with the Lord, this was before he was married, before he had kids, God visited him in a dream and he made him this familiar promise. And Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 13, it says, There stood the Lord and he said to Jacob, I am the Lord. I am the God of your father, Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land in which you're laying right now. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. Whatever you go through, I will still bring you back to this land. I won't leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. That is the promise of our Heavenly Father. And guys, we need to take note of that and be the same kind of man. I won't quit until I fulfill my promise to you. Even though I may have failed you a couple of times, I'm going to make it right and do whatever I can. And verse 16 says, when Jacob awoke up from this sleep where the Lord appeared to him, he thought, surely the Lord was in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. See, so often, guys, we get get weighed down by all the stresses and the weight of this world and all the troubles that we're facing, and we forget about this fact. The Lord's in that place, and he is working, and he is moving. Even though we may not see it or be aware of it, he's working. Surely the Lord's in that place. We're just not aware of it. So we need to be more intentional to, to seek after God and what he's doing. He's there with you. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to give up on his his promises for you and his purposes for you. He will fulfill them. So don't give up before it's over because it's going to end well. When it ends with the Lord, it ends well. Our reality is that all of these things that we struggle with would be far easier to manage if we just take a moment just to get away. You can go out to the garage or wherever you're going to go. But be aware of God's presence. If you're leaving, don't leave to be an escape from your troubles. Let it be an escape to go to the solution. To seek after the Lord and see what he's up to. Sometimes we just need to let go and let God, right? That's the cliche. We carry the divine responsibility as well of representing our Heavenly Father. As he fathers us, so we're supposed to father our own children, right? Our our households are like little kingdoms of God, you know? We're king of the castle, right? But... He's ultimately the king of kings. <laughs> we're to father the way he fathers. And the way that he fathers us, I mean, we're not perfect, right? The same way that our children aren't. Sometimes we can be so hard on them when we make a mistake, but um, you know, sometimes we're not as hard on ourselves when, when we screw up. Sometimes in the same ways. Kids are going to make bad life decisions, and surely we have as well, Right? But how's our heavenly father father us when we screw up and when we make mistakes and when we're weak in an area and we just can't get it or figure it out? He surely doesn't change his standards, does he? Not at all. He doesn't lower his standards and he he doesn't he doesn't make a way to accommodate our sin, right? He doesn't do that. He still calls it what it is. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug, but he's patient, he's merciful, he's forgiving, he's trusting. He faithfully pursues us even in our sin and he will do everything he can to make our relationship right with him while still holding us accountable. We must also learn to walk that that fine line when it comes to disciplining our kids and walking our kids through tough stuff of keeping a healthy relationship with them because that's got to be first and foremost. I know Becky and I have had so many conversations about that. We've got to keep a healthy relationship no matter what decisions are made. Relationship's everything but yet still disciplining them in love through it all. How do you do that? You know, it was so much easier when they're toddlers, you know. You spank them and, okay, do you understand what you did wrong? Do you understand what you should have done, you know, and you understand, you know, why I'm doing this? Yeah, and then, you know, they get their discipline, whatever it is. And um, they understand that it's a, a teaching tool for their good, for their benefit. It's a tool of love, even though it doesn't feel very loving. We got to learn how to walk that fine line, right, throughout life as our children go into teen years and then into adulthood themselves, and then they got their own kids. And how, how do you walk that fine line of keeping a healthy relationship and still taking a stand for what's right? And sometimes loving them enough to be like, you're wrong. What you're doing is wrong. Your attitude about the situation is wrong. You're not handling us right. How do you keep that relationship? It's tough. Somehow our Heavenly Father does it. He keeps his love on always, and that's what we as fathers got to learn to do. Keep your love on no matter what. We got to learn to use the right tools available to us to teach and to instruct our kids in regarding what is right and wrong, to impart godly wisdom, kingdom principles, right? We must learn how to do this all while never letting anything stop our love toward them. And the only way that I've learned that we can do it is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) It's just the, the leading of God. That's the only way that we can do that. And then finally here, we, we learn from Jacob to finish strong, because fatherhood is a lifelong journey, and you never stop being a dad, uh, even when they reach the age of 18. And in all reality, and that's why I always, I apologize to Nate joking around sometimes, he's our firstborn. it's like, I've learned to be a dad, as you're learning to be a son, like I've never done this before, never went through that before, you know, and sometimes when our kids are going through things, especially in the world that they're living in today, we never dealt with that as a kid, so I'm learning right along with you, as I'm trying to parent you through it, and it's It's just an interesting, messy, but beautiful thing, right? That's why you don't have to be perfect. In all reality, we're learning right along with us how to live life to its full and how to equip our kids to live their lives to the full. I I always tell them, live their best life, you know? And living your best life, it's not by worldly standards. If you want to live a full, abundant life, you you figure out who God created you to be and you just fulfill that, you know? And and that's, that's the happiest life that you can have. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 1 through 2, it says that Jacob called for his sons. See his end was drawing near and it's a good example of how to finish strong for us as men. Jacob called for his sons and he said gather around so that I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. There's no one more prophetic than a father you know. I can't tell you how many times I've done something stupid and my father's you know words still ring through my mind even when he's you know, he, he's now passed along, you know. And every time I slice myself open with a, 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 a knife, you know, that's always, don't cut toward you, you dummy. You know, that's you, know, <laughs> you big dummy, don't, don't cut toward yourself. And every time I slice myself open, I'm like, yep, you're right. <laughs> every time, I was cutting toward myself, right? But he called them together, and he told them what was going to happen to them. He said in verse 2, Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Assemble and listen to your father. Israel. I think it's kind of interesting and meaningful that he he chose in that in his passing to call himself by both names. So you don't have to hide your past from your children. You be who you are. Yeah, there's just something significant to that of just letting that shine through and then he gave each one of them each son a prophetic word an individual blessing and then in verse 28, it says, All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their fathers said to them when he blessed them, each blessing them according to him. Then he blessed them and gave them these instructions. I am about to be gathered with my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephraim, the Hittite. You know, it may not seem like a very spiritual thing, but this lays a foundation of something that I've learned from, but I haven't done yet. And that is get a will. Get a will. I can't tell you how much that helped me when my father passed. I knew exactly what he wanted. I knew what his wishes were. And a lawyer could back them up, <laughs> you know. It's so important to have a will made and to keep it up to date. And that's essentially what Jacob was doing. I'm, I'm going to pass away, but here's what I want. Here's my desire. Each one of you kids, this is your future. This is your destiny. And this is how, you know, I want my affairs managed after I pass along. It's just so useful. But anyways, and then we go on to verse 33. He says, when Jacob had finished giving all those instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into his bed and breathed his last breath and was gathered to his people. What a homecoming. Time of mourning. but What a way to celebrate. He's home. Home with his people. But even in Jacob's last moments of life, he was still leading, he was still instructing his kids. He was finishing strong, right? That's what fatherhood's about, finishing strong. With his last breath, he was still instructing his kids. This very last breath. It's a journey, but we can finish strong no matter what mistakes we've made, no matter how strained our relationship might be with our kids. Nothing's ever too far gone for our God to restore. Make the most of every single opportunity you have. Because you just never know when that opportunity might be your last. Might be your last. Life short and eternity's long, right? Way too serious of a matter. We've got to make the most of these opportunities. Letting people know the way, right? The way to be saved. Not just with our words, but with our lifestyles as well. We've got to live lives uh, surrender to our own Heavenly Father for us to fulfill our role as fathers. Following the lead of the Holy Spirit to reveal and to invite our own children into the kingdom. Now, I can't imagine if, if I were to pass away and y- you lead many people to salvation, but your own kids miss out. It's got to start there in home, right? It's got to start there. We follow his lead to discern his fathers when to keep our mouth shut... <laughs> and when to open it and to boldly speak, which has been a theme all throughout the whole service. Open your mouth and speak boldly. I think fathers need to not be so shy to speak up and to keep fathering, right? Keep speaking truth that sets people free. There is freedom in your voice, especially as a father. You've got a voice that can set your kids free from bondages that are trying to tear them up and snare them up, right? You can speak your words and keep them free from falling into things that you got tangled up with in your own life, right? At the end of each day, finish strong. Um, When when our kids were little and growing up as toddlers, we had a thing called HKP time. Hug, kiss, prayer. (laughs) I try HKP. They don't appreciate it as teenagers, by any means. But every night, every night at bedtime... I'd gather them together, and each one individually. Give them a hug, give them a kiss, and, and pray, for, pray over them. Pray over them. Each one individually, every night. And the kids can attest to that. That was our bedtime routine, you know. We don't have that right now, but we pray when they're struggling or you know, whatever the case might be going on, giving them advice. Um, but whatever that might look like for you, find a way, not just at the end of your life, but every day to finish strong. Don't go to bed knowing that there's some issue, you know, between you and your children or uh, knowing that, that your kids are struggling in some way, you know. Try to finish strong every day. Even if nothing changes, pray with them. I mean, it, this is such a critical, important thing to do as a father, to, to pray over and with your kids. Because now that they're older, you know, we, we still have our own routines. You um, still give them a simple blessing, uh, Every day, no matter what's going on, no matter whether Bethany's video chatting or their boyfriend or whatever, I'm like, you know, night, love you guys, have a great one, right? We, we bless it, we tell them we love them, I tell their friends that I love them too, whoever they're on, and it might be embarrassing at times, it's just what we do, you know? I want every day for them to, to know and to just to be blessed. To know their dad loves them no matter what, no matter how, even if we're screaming at each other just moments beforehand, which never happens, right? They need to know, no matter what's going on in our household, that they are loved. You know, sometimes got to look in the eye, like, no matter what you choose here, you know we don't agree with this, but we're going to love you. We're going to support you, no matter what. No matter what. You know, we've got to just finish strong, let the kiddos know that, no matter what. And so now I'm, I'm going to close. I'm going to close with a, a sort of spiritual father's blessing. I know the power and the authority that that carries, because it's what God honors He honors, as fathers, what we bless and what we curse, what we bind and what we loosen. So we need to walk in the Spirit's wisdom to know how to do that correctly in our own kids. This blessing was given to Moses, to give to Aaron, to give to his sons, to bless all of God's people. And most of you are familiar with it, especially if you've ever heard the song, The Blessing. It's essentially where this came from. Um, Its intent was to put the name of the Lord on people. Why is it important to put the name of the Lord on somebody? Because No name greater than the name of Jesus, right? The name above every name. The name that just makes everything right and and eliminates all the wrongs. This blessing was intended to put the name of the Lord. This is what God said. He's like, I'm giving you this blessing in order to put my name on those people. So, what a powerful thing. Just put the name of Jesus on whatever it is that you're dealing with and struggling with. Its intent was so that God's blessing could rest with them. The name of the Lord is what makes us righteous so that we can be blessed and not cursed. And that's the same intent of these words here this morning. And so now I'm going to kind of pray and declare over you this, this blessing, this fatherly blessing found in Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 to 26 as we close out. And so now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. And now the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So Heavenly Father, we receive with open arms and open hands your blessing we openly receive your grace, your mercy. Lord, don't hide your face from us any longer in your anger. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for our stubbornness. Forgive us for going our own way because we think it's right. But now, Father, we surrender to your will and to your ways. Help us as fathers make our households Reflect your kingdom. Help us, Heavenly Father. Father our children as you father us. You know we're not going to be perfect, but we thank you that you are. And we want to be perfect even as you are perfect. So Father, I just pray for your richest blessing of peace to go with each and every one who is here this morning, who's watching online, who's going to watch later or listen later. Father, I pray your richest blessing of peace. (laughs) To bring victory into every battle, every struggle, to cast out every fear, to cast out every anxiety, to cast out every area of lack so that your kingdom is established in their lives here on the earth. So that they can taste and see your goodness here in the land of the living. May it be, Lord, in your name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day. Walking His blessing. And, uh, and, and dads, don't give up. It's not too late. You don't have to be perfect. But you're the exact guy that your children need. You're it. All right. Be blessed. Thanks.